You want the R&B vibes. And so I sent her the link to my podcast. It's a show with Russ and Blake. So please wait. We're going to talk. It won't be fast. We're going to take our time. Welcome back to R&B Podcast with Russ. With my man Blake. Episode 36. Mm. Thank God for the opportunity for us to have another conversation. Thank God for getting us to 36. It feels close to 50 to me. I don't know if y'all feel how close it is, but um, that'll be a really big landmark for us. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Mm-hmm. And um, not even really a question at that point, because uh, we were releasing every week. We've been consistent last 36 weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you've fallen behind, please catch up, because we have five awesome guests the yeah. last five episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a cool little streak, and very diverse. Yeah, man. They taught us so much, educated us on topics that we have not talked about yet, and then also shared some of their perspective on things that we do mm-hmm. harp on frequently. And it was just amazing yeah. having the range of conversation. Mm-hmm. So shout out and thank you to everyone who came on R&B, and the next people you know will be hitting you up. Yeah, and um, you know, shout out to uh, Rhythm and Balance mm-hmm. for pro- producing this yeah. uh, beautiful show. Shout out to Elevate Personal Training, okay. some of the best coaching services in the Southwest. For sure. And um, you know, again, just shout out to all of our supporters that we've had thus far. Um, I hope you guys have gotten a lot out of the last five episodes that we've done. But we're gonna go back to how we were doing things for at least one week, mm. just because I miss having my conversations with my boy, and we got a lot of good feedback when we were doing that style. And uh, I have an extreme amount of personal growth when we have these discussions as well. Yeah, and time's flying by, and life is hard. That's what I want to talk about today. Life mm. is hard. And I only uh, bring that up because I've heard people mention how difficult things are recently. Yeah. Specific tasks, not life itself. And then I remind them, yeah, life is hard. This mm-hmm. is a good thing. You're doing this because it's hard. That's mm-hmm. why it's meaningful, right? Yeah. We have to do difficult things, put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, and try to take control of the stress that our bodies are going to experience, at least a little bit. Sure. So when you expose yourself to what would be considered a stressful situation. Um, The unexpected stressful situations are typically a little bit easier to handle. Man, and that's an interesting way for you to put that because life being hard is usually something that people will say as a negative thing. Man, life's been so hard. It's been hitting me upside the head. Crazy things have been going on. Mm. And from your perspective, you're like, well, good, good. I mean, excuse me, take it from the dictionary. There's no... Uh, it's not a synonym mm. <laughs> between difficulty and uh, negativity, right? Sure. There, there's nothing negative about something being difficult, well, except that somebody doesn't want to put forth the effort necessary to accomplish whatever it is that's difficult. Nah, you know, we grew up being game heads, and as we got better at 2K and Madden, we put the difficulty level up to the highest one. Mm-hmm. You don't want to play against someone not on all Madden. Right, right. And the reason is, is because you built your skills. It's not even fun anymore if it's not hard. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where life is becoming, because I'm trying to accept more responsibility and... I like playing life on all Madden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I play against you because you always beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's difficult in that sense because I'm like, dang, Russ is better than me at all these games. For sure. Right? But uh, I don't want to play against somebody that I know I'm going to beat all the time. I don't know if that's how you feel about me, but I know that you push me to be better. Yeah. And I, I, I use that 
in real life situations. I've, I've been making a lot of connections recently with people that seem like they're 25 steps ahead of me in life. Right. right? And that used to be something that was uh, a little intimidating, but now it excites me because I have to work hard to grasp those people's attention and be able to actually have a meaningful conversation that's going to be worth their time. Right. Yeah. And then, so some of the ideas that I've had over the past year and some of the things that I've accomplished over the past couple of years are now at the point where it's a conversation starter and I have a lot of opportunities with people that I might not have had previously. And that's because I put myself in these uncomfortable situations. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so there's always going to be a benefit to doing something that makes you a little nervous. Oh yeah. Because afterwards you won't be nervous and you're going to feel proud of yourself. That's yeah. part of that growth. Right? For sure. Test the parameters of your comfort zone and expand them mm -hmm. for sure. And everything we do is going to be difficult until we do it multiple times. Yeah. Who's willing to be the fool, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the motif that comes up is that for you to be great, you have to be willing to be a fool, even in public. You got to be yeah. willing to be a fool in front of people, which mm -hmm. sounds like the worst thing. But if you want that comfortability or that great life that you can imagine, then you have to go be a fool, mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe for multiple years. Yeah. Mm. And I look at it from a gym standpoint very, very frequently, how people come to me sometimes and I am honest. I'm like, it looks like you have not ever ran before. Mm. Some people don't know how to walk. It sounds strange because you see people walking, but I'm a very analytical person. I do very in-depth assessments. And when people are talking about their knees or their ankles or their hips hurting, if I look at how they walk, a lot of time I get the answer to that. Mm. And changing those things can be difficult. Changing how you eat can be difficult. Changing your routine will be difficult. Uh, there's a reason that it's a routine and it's habitual and it's easy to stay in our habits, right? But when you have a goal and you have something that you want to change in your life, that that changing process is going to be hard mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the whole point of it because uh once you get through that one difficult thing all of a sudden these other things that need to follow will follow and it's not going to be as difficult for them to do so so i, I don't know if you can provide the audience with an example in your own development mm -hmm. of where you've willingly uh, put yourself in a difficult situation and and how that turned out afterwards yeah i mean a good example, I mean, we just had K.J. Davis on, and he's a high-level basketball player. He will play in some of these pro-ams that go on around Phoenix, Arizona, which mm -hmm. is basketball leagues that grown men play in that are skill, skilled, usually Division One, Division Two basketball players or people who play overseas. Mm -hmm. And as an official, a young official, I want to get to the highest level possible, and I love learning the game. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the hardest things about practicing is that you – you want to get reps in, but sometimes we want to stay safe. Mm -hmm. One of my biggest advantages is that I've been willing to go into these environments with grown men who are aggressive and argue a lot and get very hot-headed, and I keep going back week after week. I remember the very first time I repped in a pro-am, a guy disagreed with one of my calls, and he showed me the physicality that he felt that he received on his shot. So he walked up to me and he was mm -hmm. like, man, he went like this and pushed me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of taken back because I'm like, hmm, that felt disrespectful. I didn't have necessarily the tools to deal with that situation yet. Mm -hmm. And an older official was watching from the outside. He came up to me after the game. It was like, you should have thrown him out immediately when he touched you. Mm -hmm. And I was just caught up in the moment of like, I don't really know. I was like trying to still use my words to get us to a common ground. Mm -hmm. This was before I had the tools to deal with those heated situations. Mm -hmm. And I just kept going back each week, man. And now this is my third 
year. I've done multiple seasons for them. I've done the championship games. I'm like known in their community now and I feel comfortable going and I use it as my training ground. Mm. But at the beginning, man, every time Sunday would come around, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go back. I do not want to go back because so much chaos happened there. Mm. It was so much chaos and and other officials would even tell me like, no, I'm not even trying to go work over there. Like it's crazy over there. But for me, I just embraced that possibility of arguments possibility of fights possibility there's no security there you know now was it that you didn't know what to do or you were afraid to do what you felt you should a a little bit of both i mean i definitely would have some fear in a moment where chaos was ensuing and multiple people are screaming at me and stuff like that but also i what i didn't know how to deal with the situation i didn't know the guidelines right Mm -hmm. now that i've done more research and put in more reps i know the respect for the game guidelines i know the different criteria that if you cross it it deserves a technical foul or possibly it deserves you being ejected from this whole gym right and i wasn't equipped with that knowledge yet so i was still trying to figure out how to deal with these situations so now i have experience paired with the research and i can easily tell when a phenomenon fits the criteria for a technical foul (laughs) yeah i hear that and i'm still working on it i guess uh i can relate to that because i guess in the hospital i've had some situations where i should have kicked somebody out of the hospital Mm -hmm. i should have called security on them right yeah i always tell people hey i don't want to call security on you (laughs) but i will so can we like either straighten up or figure out what the issue is right i've always wanted to use my words and i uh have seen situations where security is going to be aggressive with you so i try to give people a heads up and um you know, it doesn't always work out that way, but there there has to be that that little ounce of courage when you know what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's going to be people that will t- test you, and they want to see if you're going to do the right thing. For sure. And once they see that you are going to allow them to take advantage of you, then they usually continue to do so, and it escalates, right? For sure, and it's, it's to their advantage, especially in sport. Everyone's trying to win. If they can get any mm-hmm. advantage, which might be you showing fear and they attacking you, that might help them win the game. Right. So right. it's not even really to be taken personal. After the game, you could be like, oh, man, they were so mean to me. Mm-hmm. It's not to be taken personal at all. Yeah. You know, I've had conversations with Division One coaches and some of their assistants will tell me, like, my goal is to see when you don't believe in yourself and then attack mm-hmm. you. They're playing and, the game. Exactly. It's a game in the game. And what if we don't win a certain amount of games this season? I get fired and I have to move states and go try it again at some other school. No, mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep my job. And right. that comes with me working with you. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say that every aspect of life is a game except for the relationships that we have between people. That is very true. And I've heard people say that life is a game and that is like a trigger. Like yeah. alarms go off for people. They're like, life's not a game. Life's serious, right? Mm. But if you look at it, when people play it as a game, they're usually the victor. Yeah. (laughs) And we all wonder why certain people are in certain places in comparison to others. But when you're playing like a game and you have that competitive mindset and your goal is to win, then you will win. (laughs) That's how it goes, right? You believe that you can win and you believe that there is something to be won. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's it's interesting to say that out loud because I have a pretty mixed view on competition and mm. and the context of competition. And I, I like to have the philosophy of competing with myself, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's in a sports environment. But there are a lot of professional settings where the competition is there, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm still competing with myself. Even though there's people around me competing with me, uh, if they're competitiveness and their efforts are not impeding upon mine 
then I think that it benefits me to ignore the fact that they think they're competing with me. Right. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's interaction to be had and that's a different level of competition, right? But when we're just comparing to someone next to you doing something similar that has nothing to do with you, they might not even be aware that you're trying to beat them. Definitely. <laughs> right. That's, that's wasted effort, in my opinion. It very much is. You know, we're always really just competing with the amount of time that we put into our craft mm -hmm. because you could get in a court or any type of competitive environment with somebody. But if you put in 10,000 hours and they put in 3000 hours, what's the point of trying to even mm -hmm. measure up to them? You mm -hmm. got to just compete with your experience and yeah. your past. You yeah. know, I always remember when I was younger, I'd play these racing games and it's like you would get your first lap and the second lap would be a little ghost of your first lap. Mm -hmm. And then you would just race against that ghost. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm really trying to see life is like, okay, I did my first lap. Now I'm racing that little ghost. And the next time I go around, I did better. And now that's the new little ghost. And I'm trying to beat that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a lot of that philosophy came from me just admiring Kobe Bryant as I grew up because he was never trying to compete with the rest of the league. Right. He was always trying to compete with himself, and mm -hmm. that's why he's great. And he'd be unfazed when people are trying so hard to beat him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he already has his goal set, and uh, he's not going to let anyone else come between him. 100. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things that I've been trying to learn about and research, there, there's a lot to learn about, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that competitive edge has to be directly correlated to education and knowledge and wisdom. Because mm. right? wisdom takes time, it takes patience. You have to be educated to be wise. It might not be formal education, but you need to obtain knowledge and understand the knowledge and apply the knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's what wisdom is, right? For sure. My dad used to comment on his wisdom in conversation with me and I would always think that that was him telling me that I was not wise, yeah. you know, him needing to tell me about his wisdom. I was like, well, what about me? You know, but I was a kid yeah. and I thought I had wisdom, but now I realize wisdom comes with experience and that's a, it's a patient process. And those who aren't patient through that process will never obtain the wisdom that they can. No. You know, there takes a bit of humility that comes into play there and mm -hmm. you have to understand that somebody's going to come into your life that you need to listen to. And when they try to give you answers, it's not for you to refute. It's not for you to tell them that you already had that answer. It's not for you to, to question. It's for you to absorb and process. Absorb and process. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you have a foundation that you can compare their new information to mm -hmm. and a support group that you can talk about it with. So mm -hmm. then you can figure out if that information is valuable or you discard it. Right. Mm -hmm. But you never need to be all upset at them. Like, Oh, I don't get, I already knew that. Right. I already right. Knew that. Because when you get information, you use your discernment, you either hold on to it or you throw it out. For sure. And, um, so what makes people then have to tell people like, don't tell me that I already know what made you tell your dad. Don't tell me that I already know. I don't know if it was a pride thing. Um, or just misunderstanding the purpose of him saying it, mm. you know, because there were times that I did know what he was telling me, but it, there was no benefit for me letting him know that I already knew. Really? <laughs> right. I, I can let him think that he taught me that, mm. or I can just tell him thank you and be grateful that he wants me to know these things. He wants to make sure and reinforce 
these certain subjects and topics because now at this point in my life, I hear a lot of things multiple times and I need to so it can be ingrained in my mind and I won't forget. Yep. Even some of the practices we talk about in daily life and our interactions with people, I need to hear that out loud and remember, oh yeah, I do have to give that person the benefit of the doubt or I do yeah. have to give that person an opportunity to mess up before I uh, do whatever in, in uh, I guess, response, right? Yeah. Um, everybody deserves a chance and I've been very overcritical of certain people in my life at many times, whether it's strangers or people that were close to me. So that's something that I've reminded myself that, you know, just as I'm not a perfect person, nobody else is, right? And we all learn and uh, grow at different rates and we have to have that discernment. The same way that my dad was telling me things that he might not have known that I already knew or telling me things that I thought I knew and I really didn't, I have to give people the other opportunity, the other side of that leaf to, you know, be able to experience life at their own pace. Oh, you know, that's we're, big. we're all moving at different paces. And again, it's like a game. We're all playing a similar game, but mm -hmm. we all got a different console and there's a different title on that game. Right. Right. But it has the same ending, the same ending and the same beginning in the same beginning, but everything in between is significantly different. Yep. Right. And, and you don't need to necessarily, since we're making this correlation to games, you don't always have to save what you did, right? A lot of times mm. we'll behave a certain way yeah. and then that memory gets saved into our mind and we just harp on the fact that we fell short, mm -hmm. right? And that's why forgiveness is such a great tool out here. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to, before we move away from this, one of the great books in the hip hop culture is The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And the first law of power in his book is never outshine the master. That's the first law. In any field that you're in, if somebody has higher experience than you, you should never make an effort to try to look better than them. Mm -hmm. Just support them, mm -hmm. right? And let them feel like they taught you something even if you already knew. Yeah. That's something I've worked on and has been so beneficial in my life because mm -hmm. I understand like I don't need to outshine this person. I really just need to sit here and be a... It sounds because some people will be like, oh, I'm I'm doling myself by being subordinate. But it's no, you're gaining experience mm -hmm. until you're the one who's going to be the master in this situation. Yeah. And that's just how things work. And you got to show respect to the people that helped you get to where you are. For sure. And For sure. So, yeah, the goal is to be better than the master, right? Mm -hmm. Then you don't turn around and tell the master that he's worthless now, right? Nah, or try to fight him. I mean, I like kung fu movies, and a lot of times the plot comes where the student fights is ready to fight the master, and then it's this huge showdown. And to me, I'm like, that's cool that we get to see that there's that passing of the torch. But at the same time, my belief of a community is we don't need to embarrass one another. Let's all get to our level of mastery and show respect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's cool you say that because you watch like a UFC fight or something. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of respect after they whoop on each other. Oh, right? yeah. Even if they're taking a belt from somebody, you know, a lot of the best fighters are like giving each other hugs and stuff, bloody and sweaty and like embracing mm -hmm. physical. And um, that's them just understanding like, yeah, you got me, but I'm coming back for you still. Bro. Yeah. Like I'm going to be in the lab and I'm going to be ready to throw hands again when we cross paths because I want that belt back, but I respect you from taking it. From mm -hmm. you. And right. it's like, boy, you were working mm -hmm. because I know I had to get up at six, hit my cardio weights and studies. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, And if you are a formidable opponent for me, then that means you were doing the same thing. So mm -hmm. I just respect the time you put in. Yeah. Yeah. The only way somebody should be disappointed in that situation is if they really feel they didn't prepare 
adequately, mm-hmm. and uh, they they really feel that the other opponent uh, took advantage of that situation. For sure. Uh, otherwise, you have to pay the respect and say, like, yeah, I was putting in work, but clearly you put in a little more. Yeah, and that's why I love officiating basketball, because... I want to come and create a level, fair playing field for people who put in thousands of hours of work. Mm -hmm. And I never want to get in the way of that. I only want to let it shine on a Mm -hmm. fair and equal ground. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I found like a very deep spiritual calling just for that purpose of of setting the foundation for people to exhibit their talents to the best of their ability without any type of unfair nonsense going on and getting in their way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got to give Russ his flowers because he's on this trajectory right now and he's doing well in his industry of uh, officiating. And a lot of that has come as a result of you being a high level player yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have the perspective of the player and also that of a uh, good referee. Yeah. And, so, and I like to study. And that's you like really to study the biggest and thing. And you enjoy the game of basketball. <laughs> yeah. So even the, the perspective of. Um, Somebody in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. You're able to join all those things. And then you have the discipline and the desire to study and put in the time that way as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what it takes to be good at anything. For sure. Yeah. And I always, you know, I'll, I'll talk to younger students or even older people. And when you've been given something that aligns so much with your personality and spirit, sometimes from the outside looking in, it's like, well, you you stumbled upon a calling Mm -hmm. but i believe that everybody who's putting in work will find what aligns with their experience and what excites them to keep working at Mm -hmm. and that's a huge purpose to me of life yeah sometimes you just got to make a decision i mean i'm interested in a whole lot of things right Mm -hmm. and some people are like oh i'm just waiting i don't know what i want to do like i'm just waiting for a sign etc but if they would just try to do something, they'll probably have the opportunity to fall in love with it. Man, one of our first few episodes, I was saying how my only real responsibility is to go outside in the morning. Mm. Because once you conquer getting up and moving, your steps could be orchestrated by God, in my opinion, because you're putting your energy into the world. Mm -hmm. And you're not, I mean, the more courage you have, the more great things are going to become. That's mm-hmm. the archetypal hero story we've been talking about. You got to go fight these dragons and stumble mm-hmm. upon some snakes and things of that nature. And you just get stronger and stronger until you are the hero. Yeah. And then whatever you're trying to accomplish, you talk about the steps, right? So we can say it's physical steps, like a staircase, and you got to take each step on the way up, right? But I also like to remind myself that this isn't just a staircase. This is an escalator. These mm. are revolving steps, right? Mm. And it's going reverse. The steps aren't going up towards my goal. The steps are going backwards. So I'm having to hit a lot of these steps more than once getting to the top. And that repetition is key. Mm. And the monotony is sometimes what throws people off of their track because they sure. don't see the finish line. They don't see that them doing the same thing every day is what's going to bring them to their goal. Yeah. And that's really all it takes, whether it's reading books, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, watching film, whether it's, uh, you know, just listening. Uh, that It takes a lot of the same thing over and over, and um, a lot of success comes from that. A lot. Yeah. Right? And like you said, it's monotonous. Mm-hmm. Success is monotonous. Right. And the more tolerance you have to not become bored is going to be your ability to break through to the next level. And being bored is difficult. Man. That's very true. Back to Kobe, since he's such a great example, I've heard people in interviews say that they would go work out with Kobe and he would be doing one dribble pull-ups from 14 feet for an hour straight. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting there talking to Kobe being like, dude, I'm an NBA player. Where's my in and out snatch back from 40 feet? 
Kobe's like, no, take mm-hmm. these one dribble short range pull ups for an hour straight mm-hmm. and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Yep, you have to master the fundamentals before mm-hmm. you expect to do anything spectacular. Shout out Dom Kennedy, don't go between your legs before you even learn to dribble. And like we were saying, life is hard, right? Being bored is hard, right? Mm. A large part of life is being bored. Um, But boredom is all perspective, right? Okay. There could be somebody sitting in a beautiful meadow that's bored. Mm. Oh, there's not a TV out here. There's nobody to talk to. There's a lot of people that would love that, Mm. love being in the fresh air, love feeling the sunlight, love seeing the wild animals and feeling the grass and being out in the open space, right? Yeah. So if you can change your perspective to where those boring situations are enjoyable and something you can appreciate, then it's probably a lot easier to push yourself through and be consistent in making that effort, right? Yeah. The hardest part is that when we imagine success, we start to think of the money, assets, homes, cars, things that we're going to gain from our success. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times being bored does not give you the automatic gratification of getting these material items that a lot of us equate with our success. Mm -hmm. And that is, I believe, just a huge difficult part of having a goal if you have the end in mind Mm -hmm. yeah we want to imagine that we can manifest our best self and that we can grow our talents but putting a limit or an end to it limits you right Mm -hmm. because if you think okay when i'm successful i'm gonna have a huge house and i'm gonna have this many cars you could have got way more than that you have no idea what bounds you can break through if you just go hard Mm. you might look up in 10 years and be like i didn't expect any of this but it's so great so what do you think about goal setting then do you think it's essential or sometimes uh is it detrimental to progress when i set my goals i'm more writing habits when i write in my book and i'm thinking of my goals for this year it's going to be something like this many amount of workouts a week, this much amount of intentional studying on this subject, this amount of this, because like I'm saying, I don't know what I can attain if I just go hard week to week. I love that. You know? Yeah. I just yesterday had a conversation with, um, I guess you can call it a business coach and she wanted me to state how much money do you want to make per month? Like what, what would be good for you and your expectations, your lifestyle, and your goals. And I'm like, well, I could say a whole lot of different numbers. Like, I could say a million dollars a month. I could say $10,000 a month. I don't really want to put a number on it because I know the things that I need to do to make money. I know the things that I need to do for my business to succeed. So my goals lie within those tasks and the Mm -hmm. consistency there. My goals are along the lines of I want to have at least 100 podcast episodes by the end of next year or a thousand subscribers on YouTube by the end of the next year, right? Mm-hmm. And then whatever money comes with that will come with that. But like you said, I don't want to, one, focus on the money, and I don't want to limit what I can get. I'm just going to complete the task that I know will result in either me accomplishing those steps towards these other things or that I know will result in me being paid, right? Mm -hmm. So I could have a goal for how many shifts I want to work at the hospital, or I could have a goal for how much money I want to obtain from the hospital, Mm -hmm. right? Or like one of our previous episodes, you could have a goal of what kind of mind mind state you want to be in as you're working your shift at the hospital. And that's crucial. Mm -hmm. That's definitely what I have been implementing because like you said, going into those 
hostile environments at this point is not necessarily something that you have to do, Mm-mm. but you benefit from it every so single much. time, no matter what. Even if it's not the most fun experience, even if it's really, really difficult, mm-hmm. because difficult is good. Yeah. Everybody needs to remember that difficult is good, a takeaway from today. So me, I go work in an inner city hospital in downtown Phoenix, right? <laughs> Almost all of my patients are either on drugs, alcoholic, have a mental uh, mental health disorder, or are a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> this has been my experience recently at the hospital, right? And so I can work at other hospitals. I can go work in Chandler. I can go work in Scottsdale or uh, Gilbert, right? Phoenix is closer by a little bit, but I also know that I'm going to learn something when I go into those situations. And it might not be clinical, and it might not be anything that's going to directly impact my job learning in that, but these experiences that I'm having with people that I wouldn't otherwise interact with are benefiting me. And it's making it a lot easier to interact with people that are of sound mind and of my same socioeconomic status and of uh, other similar demographics, right? Right. And a lot of people where they fall short is not putting themselves in a situation to interact with somebody that has a different perspective or life experience than them. Yeah. You know, oftentimes as young college kids, students, as a 22-year-old, we are very idealistic. We believe that there's these problems in life that could be solved with a shift in perspective, and it's all so easy. But once you go enter a clinical field, you realize that real life is not just a shift of an idea for an institution because people have problems and they are sometimes unpredictable and behavior is a gray area. It's not black and white Mm -hmm. and so many different variables that aren't going to just be solved by, oh, if we just change this mindset, Mm -hmm. which is kind of counterintuitive to what we talk about on our podcast, but it's a good thing we both have clinical experience, mm-hmm. all right? I work with students who are all in a level D program. So they all have a disability. They all have a diagnosis, whether it's emotional disability or autism or some other health impairments. And a lot of them have been hospitalized before or come from residential treatment centers and they're aggressive and they have all these different things that their perspectives are in the world. And it does not align with how I felt when I was just a 22-year-old psychology student. Mm-hmm. And I would think, oh, man, uh, I'll follow Carl Rogers and do client-centered therapy, and I'll just relate with the person on a deep level, and it'll be a therapeutic experience. No, not all the time. Sometimes you can't always have a therapeutic experience with somebody because of the trauma of their past or whatever it is that they're dealing with. And mm-hmm. you have to accept that and mm-hmm. still find a way to support. Yeah. And that comes into your profession, and it's also significant in our personal relationships, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm married, and me and my wife had different upbringings. Me and my wife had different experiences. Me and my wife had different levels of trauma and different situations that affected us in different ways, right? And you're in the dating world, right? And people you interact with have histories that you don't know about until you're really invested in them a lot of times i'm sure yeah and those traumas can manifest in different ways so we have to give people the benefit of the doubt right and we have to be vulnerable so we can learn these things and then uh we're either going to work through it together or we decide that it's something that's going to prevent us from moving forward man you're 100 percent correct and i've been definitely in the last five years 
of being in that dating world, I have a lot of times adopted the mindset of if I see any type of red flag, I'm out because I'm not that invested in this yeah. and I'm not about to let this stress and drama enter my life. Right. But having these conversations with you, I mean, you've educated me so much on what a real loving relationship is because you, if you care about somebody, you have to have those conversations and you have yeah. to go through those hard days yeah you guys might have got mad and not talk to each other for a little bit but go talk to them again mm -hmm. you know go have another conversation mm -hmm. everything doesn't have to end with oh you might make my life harder because right. if we're talking about making life hard you might make my life so beautiful right. because you're making it hard you're mm -hmm. giving me this responsibility and something to care about yeah and so you know put it in the context what about what that person is hard Sometimes it's just expressing my emotions, right? Like, wow, I've never had anyone this interested in what I was thinking, what I was feeling. And they ask me these questions and you're going to respond a certain way. You might feel insecure to the point where you snap at them. Like, why are you questioning me like that, right? Or you might have the situation where you let them know how you feel and they don't like what you said. Mm. But what you're looking for in a relationship is unconditional love. Yeah. And that term unconditional gets overlooked very frequently yeah and that's something that i had to grow into that's something that maddie made me grow into because there was a point early in our relationship when we were still in college that you know we had our uh first little argument or whatever and i that was the red flag for me before she didn't have any and like when i first year of our relationship i'm like wow she didn't have one red flag and and then you I mean, it sounds bad saying it's a red flag, right? It's like, that's my wife. But, <laughs> you know, whatever it was about her that was not my on my list, my yeah, checklist at I understand. the beginning of our we relationship, We wanted to be right? perfect. And I tried to run away from it. Yeah. But she recognized, like, no, you're not going to ruin this. Like, mm. we have a good relationship. We had one little whatever, and you can't run away. You can't run away from your problems. That's basically what she told me. And then so we had maybe one day apart for us to think about things. And it didn't take me long to realize, like, wow, I'm missing something very significant in my life. And whatever we went through together was not worth me not being able to spend the rest of my life with this girl. Hmm. So she got to do something way worse for me to run away like this again because I felt stupid afterwards. But some of those lessons we learn, you just have to admit that you were wrong and you feel stupid in the moment. But I knew I wasn't a stupid person. So as soon as I realized that, I fixed it up, right? Mm -hmm. And it took time. We had to heal from it. And that was difficult in and of itself. But we talk about it today because it was significant in our relationship that we went through that together. Yeah. That's and big. all of those difficult times have been significant. And the fact that we've pushed through them together and then we still have these extremely happy and great times no matter what, that's what we, everyone should really be striving for. But I see a lot of relationships where it's hard for me to believe that they actually have the extreme great moments in their life because there's so much tension constantly and they don't show each other the unconditional love and love looks different to everyone. I had to learn that too, but yeah. there are certain things that are in direct contrast to what love is. For sure. You know, and we always, not always, but one book that we both love is the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. And he talks about pain bodies, right? So he talks about how some people's yeah. relationship is really just them exercising their pain bodies with right. each other. Some people will say the line of our demons play well together. And that's a scary line in my experience, but it's true for some people. Some people are like the hard parts of me and the parts of me that love drama and conflict align with the parts of you that love drama and conflict. And we keep each other very much entertained mm -hmm. and just as angry as we like it. 
and then we move on and mm-hmm. repeat the cycle. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it takes a lot of inner work to recognize when your peace has been disrupted. Yeah. And, you know? and people talk about looking for their other half or this person's my other half and, you know, opposites attract. So your other half often has something that you lack. And sometimes that can make you feel insecure when you realize that, you know, True. and you have to invite that into your life and figure out what it is you have that they need and then also take advantage of what they have that you need and make those work together. Man, I didn't expect us to go down the like relationship conversation, but it's true. And it's and part of life. Beautiful. It's yeah. part of life, right? Mm-hmm. And you can have it in terms of romantic relationships, professional relationships, personal relationships. There are similar, um, I guess, strategies I would suggest people use in all of those, mm-hmm. all those contexts, right? And me personally, I always try to operate from a place out of love regardless of the person that I'm interacting with in that relationship man yeah you're hitting the nail on the head I need to take a second and address something from our last podcast because um I posed a question to you and KJ and I asked if you guys see that some of the algorithms and the drama hate and pain that gets presented to us in our social medias could be deeper than just trying to evoke emotion and if it could be some type of spiritual warfare Mm. stemming back to something that could be biblical i mentioned that my mom used to teach me about how satan is very smart now in our last podcast i made the statement that she says that satan is as smart as god my mom was very quick to text me the next day and say retract that statement and that was really not what i meant what i was trying to illustrate is that satan is very smart in this world and knows the things that will entice you and knows the things that can draw you out of your greatness Mm -hmm. the stories in the bible job is tested and god allows it Satan asks him to be tested and show him that he's not going to have the loyalty he believes. He allows it. Jesus in the desert, tested by Satan. I can, you can have this whole world. Why do you have to preach the gospel and these things of this nature? So when I look at this social media platform and how what they'll tell us is that negative emotions evoke more interaction. But at the same time, I'm thinking that that could possibly be like a new spiritual warfare mechanism. You said, one more time, you said negative emotions evoke a... More interaction. More interaction. On social media. Yes. Yes. And I agree with that. And a lot of people just see that as, oh, that's how the algorithms are set up because that's the research they've done. But I'm thinking, okay, well, also, what if this is a deeper spiritual process and you ingesting this material is breaking you away from your spirit? Doom scrolling and social media addiction is a very unconscious behavior. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of addictions are. Yeah. You know, and I think people forget that you can easily become addicted to social media, just as I believe you can be addicted to anything that brings you joy. I'll say joy, but I guess really an emotional response. Because sometimes we're addicted to things that we know are bad for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of alcoholics you know they feel good in the moment but they know that it's ruining their relationships they know that they make bad decisions they know that they feel bad the next day and they know that it's not adding to their life and they continue to do it because Mm -hmm. it one makes them feel good in the moment and uh 
it, it helps mask the emotions and it helps being bored not so difficult, right? For that sure. difficult is running away from the difficulty. Mm -hmm. It's running away from having to deal with my emotions and feel this pain, right? It's a pacifier. It's a pacifier, right? And sometimes we need to feel that pain. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody wants to feel the pain, right? No. <laughs> nobody wants to be in pain. Nobody wants to hurt. Nobody wants to cry. That's the... It's natural for us to want to avoid those things. But when we're facing them, we need to accept it and embrace it so that it's not just sitting there in the back of our minds. We let it happen and it moves on, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, we go to funerals and we cry. We have to grieve and, and let people go. And that's a very difficult process. But that's why funerals, to me, are important. So it's like a very specific time where we're all going to join talk about this person say our goodbyes so we can heal and then of course after that event um there's a process to be had but at least in my culture and my family we usually have a certain type of celebration afterwards right mm. because uh that person's life was valuable and we all feel blessed that they were able to interact with us the time that they had mm -hmm. and that that can be difficult for people to reckon with just because you know you want to continue to have that person there yeah um but it's just one of the difficult things of life that we all have to deal with and yeah. so so with that being said i just want people to understand that most of the most important things in our life are going to be hard losing mm -hmm. people is very important it just as gaining people is very important right yeah. um and i think that it's hard to say that negative things are important, right? The same thing, same way we say that difficult things are good, right? We, some of those words that we think shouldn't be together, again, they're not antonyms, they're not synonyms, they don't have direct play, but they are very significant in each other's play. Very significant. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you brought up how you misstated your mom's statement. And yeah. I know in that moment, I was tempted to be like, mm, yeah. is that what you meant? But And I can, we had a text conversation about this. Like I, I can get deeper into what my perspective is on worldly knowledge compared to omnipotence and mm. omniscience. You know, I mm. think that the level, if we're taking a biblical perspective, I think the level of intelligence that Satan has in the Bible is vast. Right, but obviously it's not omniscience. And I, where where I was gonna disagree, um, I don't know if it's intelligence or just his effort. I think that hmm. Satan tries very hard. Well, in a worldly perspective, what's the difference? You know, um, I think that people can put forth a lot of effort without having a lot of intelligence. Hmm. Some people try really hard and run in circles, but. Um, Obviously, the the evil of the world sometimes is very successful. So, like a lot. <laughs> with that being said, if you believe in free will, there's God giving us tools and letting us figure things out, and allowing Satan to test us, and allowing Satan to put forth all this effort for sure to if, see. If God wanted to direct battle Satan, it's game over immediately. Mm. But again, that's part of this game we play. Sure, and that's part of the learning. That's part of the wisdom. That's part of the pain, right? A lot of this pain that we experience is from evil, right? Mm -hmm. People do bad things, we hurt, and we have to heal, and we grow from it, right? 
We so should heal. Some of that evil is necessary is what I'm saying. Some yeah. of the hard things that we face are like direct evil from somebody else doing something they shouldn't have done. Yeah. That would be understood as Satan's work, right? Sure. Look at a huge topic in the educational field right now is critical race theory. And even if you go on the Arizona Department of Education homepage right now, there's a disclaimer, a little blurb that says uh, if your child has experienced learning critical race theory in school, contact us so we can take action. Now, critical race theory is not illegal in Arizona, but people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to mm. talk about critical race theory. And I kind of feel it, right? I'm not so far off the, to the other side that I can't understand the perspective because in their mind, they're saying, you don't have to bring up all these negative aspects of our ancestors mm -hmm. because all it is going to do is give our children a lower self-worth and possibly feel guilty about things that they cannot control that happened way before their time. Mm -hmm. I feel that. I'm not necessarily mad at that. I don't want to always harp on the negative mm. and trauma. I don't feel it. Okay. <laughs> and, and good because most people don't. But like, why do you think that it's necessary to teach a young European descendant kid about possibly some of the more aggressive and violent things that their ancestors did. I wouldn't say that. I think that all of our youth need to be learning something along the same lines that is backed with facts and uh, consistent and honest hmm. and comprehensive. Okay. So telling as many sides of the story as you can without being biased and giving the facts. I think that a lot of that, um, not allowing critical race theory is avoiding certain facts to be shared. And I don't think that that's ever going to be a positive result for anybody. Hmm. So um, there are certain topics that are a lot more difficult to have with children and that's understandable, but when you get into high school, middle school even, there's a different understanding there. And kids are having real life experiences at that point. Um, and I think that all of the history behind those experiences should be shared so that they can have a better understanding of what they're going through. Because I know me as an adult, there's a lot of things that I learned that's like, wow, if I had a better understanding of that when I was 12, that might have helped me out a little bit, right? Mm. Because... Again, you asked about European descendants, so I'm speaking from a, a black perspective where certain things I didn't understand were done to people of my race. And there are certain laws that are current and there are certain areas in the country where things just aren't fair and aren't consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone should be aware of that because the... European descendant that you're speaking of, that might be somebody that's interested in stopping that stuff. Yeah. And they should have the opportunity to use their discernment and learn all the things there are to learn. And if we're holding it back because we think that somebody's going to feel bad, <laughs> that's an awful reason. That's an awful reason. That's like saying that you don't want somebody to know that, uh, that Europeans came to America because there are already people here. And that was rude. Yeah. <laughs> like that's goofy to me. For so sure. There, there's a lot of, um, changes being made in public education that my conclusion is we as parents just have to take it upon ourselves to put more effort into educating our children. Um, public school can't be con 
comprehensive. There were there was a time where I was disappointed I didn't learn certain things, and history is obviously one of them. But uh, business, finance, uh, even mathematics, there's certain things that I thought could be uh, I could have been better prepared for in the real world, right? Yeah. But I realized that there's a finite amount of time. So if the reason is that there is more important curriculum, that's one thing. But if the reason is we don't want to teach this anymore because somebody feels bad about it, that's not a good justification to me. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that because, I mean, I'm obviously on the side of history and all of these things. I try to play devil's advocate to understand the other side, but it's hard to say we understand them when when we were young in school. They were showing us roots and they're showing us these African people being mm. whipped and naked and sold into slavery. And it wasn't necessarily asked to us, how do you feel about this? It was obvious that it felt bad because you identify with this race of people. Mm -hmm. Now, it takes a lot of education for you to understand that it was much more than the whips and chains and that it goes deeper. But for some reason, that was just the jump off of our history. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole another conversation. But no, I agree with you. It, it, the justification cannot be that it makes you feel bad right? because there are documented things that were just atrocious, but it's part mm -hmm. of history and we learn, mm -hmm. right? And if we don't learn, history can repeat itself. Right. And I'm, I'm always down for a good explanation behind something. I'm all about perspective. So if somebody makes a decision, cool, let's talk about why you made that decision. Maybe it's not as crazy of a decision as I think. Mm -hmm. But in that case, it still seems like a crazy decision. So... Last week, one of the classes at the school that I work at, they're studying the diary of Anne Frank. And they come and have these conversations with me outside of their class. I'm like, Mr. Davis, did you know about Anne Frank and why she was hiding from these people? And what, did you know about the Nazis? Did you know that? They're trying to educate me on all this information that they just gained about the Nazis and their goals of genocide and all these different things. And one student asked me, is this possible to ever happen again, that level of genocide? Mm. And I thought that was an amazing question, mm. but that led me right into the importance of the knowledge and education of these atrocious events. Because if you didn't know that some people might try to manipulate mass groups of people and have super selfish, evil motives, then you might blindly trust anybody who's trying to give you information. Mm -hmm. So... I bring that up because it kind of aligns with that whole critical race theory thing. We don't ever hear Nazis. We in America don't ever hear Nazis saying, don't teach about Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never been to Germany. I hear that, you know, Nazi contraband can be illegal there and you can't travel with certain books and things of that nature. Mm. I don't know enough to talk about it, but... It seems as if that might be something that the American people would like to retract from their history as well when it comes to some of the more violent events. Mm. Oh, so you think that's the purpose behind it? The critical race theory thing? No, yeah. no, no. With Germany, you think they're trying to like retract it from their history, basically? I, I don't know enough to say it. That's why I at don't want At first thought, it just sounds like they don't want a resurgence. Sure. Like, they don't want you to have swastikas on your stuff and right. pull up. They're like, hey, we're past it. That was bad. We don't need that energy in our community type deal. This is a deep conversation because we live in a time where people are trying to outlaw Confederate flags mm -hmm. in the South and... 
what is the purpose of that? I mean, I get the symbolism of slavery and I get the symbolism of oppression and I understand why people are mad about the Confederate flag. But at the same time, in my mind, it's like what you make people not do in the light, all you're going to do is force them into the dark. And it's like, what would you rather do? See them or let them go into some hole and, and That's a great create point. their plan? That's a great point. Because if somebody wants to have a Confederate flag out front, I want to know that they want to have it out there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I know where I shouldn't be, right? That right. is a good point. And uh, again, it's all about perspective because I definitely haven't thought of it that way before. I'm one of the people who's like, why do you have that? You should take that down because it has a symbolism, right? And at the end of the day, it's a decision that I feel should be made because it hurts my feelings which is probably not the best way to go about it. There's a lot of decisions to be made in life, and I think a lot of those decisions need to have emotion retracted from them, Mm -hmm. which is hard to say because these are very emotional topics. These are very emotional symbols and propaganda and have long, long emotional histories behind them. And um, that's just something we have to be aware of because... Uh, ignorance is not bliss. Awareness gives people the opportunity to be safe and be educated and uh, make change. But if you don't know about it, you can't change anything, Mm-mm. right? Um, so yeah, I love that you say that and bring that up. It's a difficult thing to talk about, um, and hopefully, we get some opinions on that because yeah, and hopefully, it's received well. Don't clip me up with one little <laughs> area right, right. of the, it can be taken oh, out of context for sure. And, and that's uh, one of the difficult parts of. The great thing is that we get to have a long form conversation. Mm-hmm. The bad thing is that if you only took twenty seconds of it, you could make us say anything. Right, which that's I mean that's the world, right? Mm-hmm. That that's um, something that you just have to be prepared for. But just know that we have a certain message that we're sharing, and we have a certain intention behind it, and we are pretty consistent in doing so. But um, you know, education is tough. Because you can talk about anything and say, when is the right time to teach this to a child? If it's aside from knowing how to read and knowing how to count, there are a lot of things that are kind of controversial. Even depending on who you talk to, evolution. Some people probably don't want their kids to learn about evolution, right? But I think that we would all feel a certain type of way if that was taken out of school. I mean, it just depends on how you're framing evolution, right? Because Darwinian evolution is very much in our science curriculum. And it's a theory. It's a theory. But also, we know that certain animals evolved a different characteristic to fit their environment. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to think about a human being coming from a fish, you know? So there's these different levels of our evolutionary Mm -hmm. talk. Mm -hmm. You know, we understand maybe a tortoise developed a harder shell because of the environment around them and that's darwinian evolution Mm -hmm. that's a that's a that's an interesting topic yeah and it can go down a long long road but you know education is difficult again bring it back to difficult and easy um it is hard to Make sure that you get accurate and complete information. Even with all these resources we have and the internet and the, uh, what, AI assistance in our pockets, we know that those can sometimes give us biased responses and they can give us incomplete responses. And the same thing can happen if you're sitting in a classroom, right? Mm-hmm. So you, everyone just has to do their due diligence. And if something's important enough for you to share with the world or live by, then you need to make sure you get all the details, right? Sure. One thing I do know is that when you present factual evidence 
to a person about their own history and they feel empowered by it, you see them light up inside. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a phenomenon that you just can't take away, man. Like when you're really educating somebody on something that has to do with them and they feel proud about it, you mm -hmm. see them gain more and more responsibility. Mm -hmm. And they start to think that they can see themselves in this lineage and this puzzle that's going to eventually just tell the story of greatness. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. It, it really is. Yeah. I'm glad you said the story because uh, history is a long line of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so many things can be left out or taken out of context or even just completely flipped around. Right. And um, so how do you suggest that people interested and knowing more about history, go about navigating some of those obstacles because we could all study the same thing and come back with a whole different story, right? Sure. Um, you take it upon yourself to do your due diligence. I mean, in my experience, I've never sought out to go get 10 books at one time. Usually I read one book and they mention another book and mm. then I want to see what that has to say. And that mentioned a couple more books. And then eventually my studies show me what is consistent and what is mm -hmm. an anomaly. Mm -hmm. And now I have a database within my mind, something to compare the new information that I'm getting to what I believe is correct. So you have to humble yourself enough to know that your foundation could be changed with some new information. But also as you gain more and more knowledge, you can discern between mm -hmm. what is factual and what's not yeah and discernment is key i think a lot of people um have the problem that when they learn something boom that's a fact like i know it now right mm -hmm. <laughs> but you have to dig into it a little bit um even certain trusted sources can give you misinformation yeah we've seen that happen many times right and so a lot of people learn through headlines and learn through titles, right? They don't really read a full article. They don't read a full book. They just mm -hmm. see what it says across the front. And that's so dangerous because now we live in an age of social media where a lot of the titles and the headlines are just there to get your attention so that you actually dig into it. Mm -hmm. but some people just see the headline, they run and share it with everybody else and that's what they're gonna say. Yeah. I've even seen things where the headline has nothing to do with the actual conclusion of what's being written. It's just like, oh, that was so abrupt and contradictory and you know that's going to grab someone's attention then they'll come in and see what everything's about which yeah. i think is a dangerous strategy but clearly it works right it's like clickbait clickbait you, you know exactly. on on youtube i i officiated a prep school game a couple years ago that was donda academy and that's mm. kanye west school it was a huge game here in phoenix arizona and i saw after the game this youtube video that was like Donda Academy game gets heated, physical fights happening in Phoenix, Arizona, big fight game. And I'm like, when was there a fight? <laughs> I, I'm like, I officiated this game. It was mad chill. So I go and watch it, and they tried to strategically place these little rift moments that weren't even a big thing just to make people think that there was all this conflict going on because that's how they got their views mm -hmm. i'm looking at it from bro i was there from tip off to the end of the game it was no conflict mm -hmm. but it was clickbait right yeah. so you gotta be aware that people are trying to pull you in yeah. with the idea that there's something to see here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially on youtube there's people that have youtube videos where they never show their face and all they do is talk about other events and other people and mm -hmm. the whole idea is gaining attention and getting a lot of views right sure. so you have to be aware of that but that happens in real life too you know people uh sometimes 
people just look for any type of attention, any type of PR, bad press, good press. I don't care. I need the attention. I need these views. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very dangerous way to operate, but I think a lot of people do it. And it's getting to a point where so many people have had success in operating that way that it's kind of hard to expect them to do it otherwise. Yeah. Um, you're going to continue to do what you see uh, benefit from. So I want people to know that you can benefit from just being consistent in your efforts. Whatever it is, you don't have to manipulate people. You don't have to uh, you know, undercut anybody. You don't have to drag anybody down to get higher up in what you're trying to accomplish, right? Because mm-hmm. building a team is the strongest thing you can do, but creating enemies can be extremely detrimental. For sure, and the truth will set you free, mm-hmm. right? When you get caught up in the web of illusions, just start telling the truth and you'll find your way out. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. Due diligence is the main thing, right? I mean, a huge hurdle that I've run into talking to students is that some of the kids I work with, they're guardians don't have enough time to go register them for a library card Mm -hmm. so they'll talk to me about how they can start to gain new information and what they can do to do their part to gain knowledge and libraries are beautiful things Mm -hmm. i love libraries that's such a part of our community that is really meant to help us all grow yeah but you never think about the kid whose guardian can't make it before the library closes to get them a card that's one thing that I've run into, and I'm trying to figure out how we can maybe in Tempe do something where we can get kids signed up without yeah. needing guardians. Yeah, I mean, that seems like something you should be able to do through your school, right? Yeah, I hope so, and that's yeah. what I've been trying to figure that out and talk to some people about that. Yeah, maybe having uh, certain districts partner with uh, certain libraries that are in the area or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That, that would be pretty cool. And, um, yeah, like we were talking about, education can be hard. Mm-hmm. education is hard it that's is. why it's so valuable that's mm-hmm. why it's needed right we talk about easy and hard again um reading books <laughs> takes time and it can be boring and we talk about boring being hard right but now we have access to all of this educational material through the internet through uh whatever courses you can buy a course on anything nowadays learn how to do something overnight right but the initiative and the drive and the will to actually initiate and then continue to the finish line, that's the new difficulty that we're facing because we're kind of at a point where education isn't hard except discernment between the information that you're getting. It's easy to get the information, right? Yeah, and and focusing on something for longer than 10 minutes. That's mm. our new thing that's hard. Yes, yes, right? because you can get on your phone and think you're going to read an article or think you're going to read an ebook, and then Instagram's one click away, mm-hmm. right? TikTok's one click away. Yep. And we have 50 things in our phone that are begging for our attention. You have your push notifications on or whatever, right? Just constantly taking your attention away from what it is productive that you're trying to do. Um, that can take a lot of effort. And, uh, I think a lot of people are failing in that battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have any advice of how somebody could, uh, combat that. I know you do social media detoxes. I've mentioned that on here sure. a couple of times, which I think can be valuable for a lot of people. But then now we're in a situation where we use social media for our business. Right. And so you have a different engagement and a different purpose on social media, but at the same time, all of those, uh, distractions are still present. Yeah. And the same things I've always told this to people, I don't remove myself from social media because I 
feel like I have this great self-control or anything. It's actually because I usually get caught up for hours and hours watching mm-hmm. stuff. It's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm so susceptible and I actually love indulging in this stuff that I have to just remove it from mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And exactly, you're right. I mean, now that I use Instagram as more of a business tool, I have to try to create new habits because I'll find yes. myself still scrolling down rules when yes. all I was trying to do is promote something with one of our guests or mm-hmm. tag someone in a story or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And that that's the key, forming new habits. Yeah. If something is lacking or you want a positive change or you just want to build upon whatever it is you already have, the change of the habit, the change of the routine, the change of the mindset is what's going to be essential in that Mm -hmm. process, right? And I think that's why some people see so much value in mindset coaching. I've been listening to a lot of mindset coaches recently, and I sit there and think, I'm like, these are things that I think about all the time already, right? Sometimes they have audiences, right? And you can see people getting excited, and they're inspired. And I talked about talked to my coach about this yesterday where a lot of those conversations they're not inspirational to me because I'm like I'm already thinking that you know it, it's solidifying and like I said previously uh, sometimes hearing the same things over and over to just solidify it in your brain can be very valuable too hmm. but I told her my goal is to inspire myself and be inspired by opportunity in another day that I get to just try hmm. you know and Sometimes the hardest part of life is living. You know, people take their lives all the time. Right now, September is Suicide Awareness Month. I want to throw that out there. I meant to say that earlier in this episode, but um, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows someone that has committed suicide or has seen it in a headline where a celebrity did, right? And we often ask ourselves, why would they do that? And the, the answer is because life's hard. And sometimes people can't reckon with that right Mm -hmm. and so we need to be aware that life's hard and use that difficulty to our advantage so that we can grow because I know me personally I've been to dark places before right and it's a matter of am I going to keep pushing through this and be consistent and deal with this discomfort right and or am I going to end this difficult journey Mm -hmm. and we need to fall in love with the difficult journey the difficult journey is what makes it interesting right yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had to do many risk assessments for children who make statements that they're going to kill themselves. And mm-hmm. we get trained on how to do the risk assessment. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's interesting because you bring up a suicide awareness month. We don't want to stay too long on this because it's a very triggering conversation. But it's true. Sometimes people can't see outside the walls of their difficulty and they believe that Mm. new opportunities are not going to present themselves. That's a lack of faith, technically. Like, technically, you don't have faith that a brighter opportunity will present itself if you continue on down the road. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I mean, like you said, I've been there. I've been there where I was like, man, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. There's no breakthrough. This is just not true. Right. And everybody listening just needs to know that almost everybody has had these thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of what are you going to do with that thought? Is it going to propel you to make change in your life and change a habit and try to make healthy, conscious decisions and surround yourself with positive uh, influences and do things that you know are going to be positive to your journey? Or are you going to succumb to the difficulty? And, um, you know, you said it's triggering, but again, it's one of those things in life that we all deal with, right? And the the fact that it's triggering makes people not want to talk about it, and then that's the problem. And that's mm-hmm. why people battle these things alone, and then they end up losing the battle. Yeah. You know? So we need to be able to talk about this in a, a way that's not 
as emotional because it is an emotional trigger, right? Because mm-hmm. we, it's hard losing people. Again, we talked about that already too. But um, having conversations is hard. Expressing your emotions is hard. Accepting reality is hard sometimes. So I think that those are just all learning opportunities. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm trying to put the positive spin on it. I don't want to like. Know, well, okay, but again, I'm gonna be devil's advocate. Sure. Um, the it's not necessarily negative. It's life. Okay. You know? There are bad or there are <laughs> less ideal situations in life that have a positive result. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gonna die. Eventually, right? Yeah. How somebody dies can be very tragic and traumatizing. Right? True. But if you separate that, we, we all have a limited time. So I use it as inspiration. And it's scary to think about sometimes. I actually have like a almost little anxiety moment thinking about it before. I think about death a lot as a nurse. I have to experience death. This is something that I have to deal with yeah. that a lot of other people don't. Huh. So you talk know. about like the these trigger words. It's like, I'm triggered by my experiences. Sometimes I see something happening in the hospital that's similar to a very bad situation I've been in before, and I have to be prepared for that. And it happens often, right? Mm -hmm. And it could be in a situation where I was in danger, somebody was trying to assault me, or a situation where I lost a patient. I don't ever want to lose a patient, but um, these are just things that happen. And I use it as motivation to, A, put forth this effort and try to empathize with people and be ready. B, also help people stay out of the hospital because I know how awful that experience is. And C, be prepared on what is going to happen once you get into the hospital, what you should ask, what you should be expecting, and what you should be on the lookout for. Mm -hmm. Because um, there are systems in place and those systems are not always followed to a T. I think systems are very important. And that's why people have to have systems within their own life of, how they're going to deal with these things, how they're going to talk about these things, how they're going to process these things and grow from them, right? Yeah. So, you know, these things are always negative in the moment, but I hope that there's a period of time that can go past these events that you can use them as a positive. And I say that for every single thing we go through in our lives because it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. So it's either lingering as a negative effect in the back of your mind or something that's going to propel you and inspire you to make change and do something positive moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you too. I mean, honestly, our our mortality motivates me a lot. And I also believe that that's the essence of true philosophy, because I believe philosophy is nothing more than just priming a human being to accept the fate that they're going to die. And that's great philosophy. And that's been going along for thousands of years. But Mm. a lot of people ancient and current have battled with the same questions. Mm. And it's good to let your mind go there. Mm. You know, let it let it get dark. Because if duality exists, the as dark as you can get is as light as you can get. Yeah. You know, as low as you can go is as high as you can go. And mm-hmm. it's it has that balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just invite everyone to make that effort to never go as low as you've been. Mm. Right? I think that the average person can think of a low point that was pretty awful. And we can think of why we got in that situation. And hopefully some of it was in your control. Mm. It, it, 
oftentimes wasn't, right? Like me, COVID was not in my control, but I know some of the things that I was doing during that time period was not helping me be in a strong mental space. Yeah. It wasn't helping me cope well with what I was doing because coping properly was the hard thing to do at that time. But the hard thing would have been the best thing, right? And that's why I like to just go back to that hard and easy because the easy route can often be our, our biggest detriment. For sure. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Keeping things comfortable, keeping things easy is mm -hmm. going to be to your detriment. Because like doing the right thing is not often easy. No. <laughs> doing the right thing is usually hard to do. And we often know the right thing to do, but it puts you in an uncomfortable situation. And whether that's stopping somebody from robbing another person, are you going to be the stand, the bystander that just watches it happen or pulls out your phone? Or are you going to intervene or call the cops, right? I don't recommend that everybody intervenes, but something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. right? um, and when you do that difficult thing, you can sleep better at night. You don't go home and be like, wow, I really should have helped that person, right? Yeah. And that's a dramatic example, but you can put that in any context and it's the same concept. Right? 100%. Um, yeah. Easy hard. I'm Easy done hard. with this conversation. <laughs> this has been good, man. Yeah, it's man. Good. We, we took a couple turns and I love that. Yeah. Man, that's exactly why we had to do this little, this little solo episode again. For one sure. Time for the one time before we get some more guests back on here. But, yeah, um, good takeaway is just choose the difficult battles in your life. And then the ones that are thrown at you will be a little bit easier. Yeah, you're preparing yourself like a soldier. You know, you want the harder battles because mm -hmm. you want to be able to shine. Yes, yes, yes. All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for mm. tuning in. It's been kind of a long one, but yeah. it was necessary. Had a couple things to get off our chest, right? And uh, you know where to find us. YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple, Anchor, all of those. Like, share, and subscribe. I meant to tell you at the beginning. So those of you that made it to here, make sure you do it because you must have got something out of this today. So give someone else the opportunity to do the same. Yep. And it may be hard for you to share. You may feel uncomfortable sharing, but just send it to somebody that you care about, somebody that you love. And if you don't love nobody, fix that up because somebody's waiting for you to love them and mm. you deserve to be loved. And the easiest way to receive love is to give love. Mm. Like Chance the Rapper said, everybody's somebody's everything. Everybody's somebody's everything. Thank you for watching. Like last week, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.